that's the common denominator that we're seeing is email is the weak point in just about every company's cybersecurity. I think the stats are nine out of ten cybersecurity breaches start an email inbox now. So what you take from that is the constant reminders you shouldn't be sending sensitive information on email. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host Paul Spain and today we have James Sampson with us from File Invite. Welcome along James, good to see you. Thanks Paul, great to be here. Before we start, maybe you can let listeners know where you fit into this big wide world of uh, tech wide in New Zealand. Wide world of, of tech, it is a wide world. Uh, yeah, well, so I'm founder and CEO at FileInvite. So FileInvite, we're a secure document collection platform. So a customer portal technology for requesting sensitive information. Get used a lot for applying for mortgages, immigration, um, tax, accounting, you know, uh, right across the board, really. So you need to get information off your customers, you shouldn't use email, and uh, our portal makes it seamless for the end users supplying documents and data, and it flows through into the business, seamless for the business that's getting it. So, yeah. Love it. Great. Well, looking forward to delving into that um, during the show. Uh, of course, lots of tech news of the week as well to delve into. Yeah. Uh, and should say a big thank you, of course, to our wonderful show partners, uh, to 1NZ, 2Degrees, Spark HP, and Gorilla Technology. Uh, great to have their support and, of course, their broader support for you know, the technology and innovation uh, ecosystems here in New Zealand. Um, but delving into the tech news, I think we'll start on start on the what's been you know happening, uh, particularly from a local perspective. Uh, probably the big the big announcement for me uh, in in the last week was really hearing about uh, Serato uh, yeah. being being acquired. And I'll have to look back uh, as to as to when we had um, uh, the CEO uh, on the show. It must be at least a couple of years ago now. I'm thinking, but it could could be could be a lot more because I lose track of these things. Um, but look, just they've been an incredible uh, story along the way. You know, such a, such an innovative yeah. uh, firm that have done so so well on the global stage. Uh, you know, particularly. With serving that that market of uh, of DJs, and uh, yeah, to hear that um, hear that their technology has been acquired, I guess yeah, there's always kind of two sides to the feelings of yay for the shareholders, but you know, it's always uh, there's that there's that yeah level of like oh you know um, when when our our uh, you know best best businesses end up in in, in global ownership but yeah. of course we know lots of good things have have come from these sort of acquisitions in the past and money that gets be- invested back new startups and 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 so on so uh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's 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 pretty pretty encouraging especially when it's uh one that that's uh I think the the numbers uh that I saw were it was certainly over a hundred uh, million, but I think we might have even had a, a little bit more detail on that. Uh, anytime the overseas investment office um, has to get in, involved, that means they've kind of been over that over that. Gap. It's always a giveaway. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they've been at it for a while. I think it's it's always good to see Kiwi Tech doing well on the 
on the global stage, like you say. But um, I think for me, the fact that it's remained New Zealand headquarters, New Zealand staff is just fantastic. That's definitely the the, the good side of it because, mm, you, mm. like you say, you you get overseas money flowing in and and uh, investment opportunities, all sorts of things happening there. So. Yeah, good on them. Yeah, and I mean, we've already seen some of the flow on from the success of the business. For instance, uh, you know, uh, ChargeNet, uh, uh, you know, the the EV uh, charging network that that's been, you know, I think very important to uh, to New Zealand, and you know, having that that network of uh, electric vehicle chargers around the country. Um, you know that's that's um, you know investment that's been able to be made because of the success of uh, of the Serato business, uh, Serato business. Um, you know over over the years, and um, you know no doubt with this acquisition, um, it'll it'll lead to other other investments oh, and no and um, you know other other startups getting uh, getting support in the future. Yeah, totally. I think having that repeat in the the local ecosystem of Founders that can invest back in not only the, the investment but the experience is just invaluable, and you kind of see a second, third, fourth generation of startups coming through. It's, mm, mm. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, so let's let's see more of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, also we've heard um, about um, Ara Ake uh, Energy Research Centre that secured uh, seventy mm. million. Uh, in in funding to uh, to invest in in what uh, they're they're doing um, with trying to move move things forward uh, as far as sort of transition towards sort of sustainable um, and you know uh, sustainability from from an energy uh, perspective um, based in in New Plymouth there so that's a that's a fairly big. Uh, uh, fairly big investment, yeah. So I'm, you know, really, really curious to see, you know, what what flows out of that. Yeah, exactly. This it looks like there's some interesting stuff that they have been doing with wave energy and that type of thing. Mm, Decarbonisation. Yeah, yeah. Lots so of things going on. I mean, we're pretty ingenious Kiwis of finding new ways of doing stuff. So it's pretty cool to see the government getting behind finding finding new ways for energy. Um, so yeah, be watching that pretty closely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then just one that's just come in in the last few minutes from um, from Spark. They've made an announcement around 5G networks. So they, they've indicated they're commencing uh, building 5G standalone networks. So they've got their their existing 5G, as as have the other telcos in terms of uh, one one NZ uh, and and two degrees. But that those use a 4G. Uh, for their their base connectivity, and so Spark say they're the they're the first to launch five G uh, standalone yeah. network locally. So uh, just good to see that the constant competition that we uh, that we see uh, between the networks and and you know ongoing investment because it's you know we all we all benefit from having great. Uh, great communications yeah. and especially the the high speed, low latency, uh, you know, communications that are that are really you know part of the mix with uh, with five G. Yeah, hot off the press. Yeah, no, it's that competition's is great. Obviously, the the one NZ announcement a while back with the Starlink opens up a whole bunch of areas geographically. So this will be great for speeds and things. And yep. 
people are nomadic with digital nomads now, so you can work from anywhere. Yeah, yep. And and you know, having now, you know, all three networks have you know have made announcements around the, the satellite uh, you know connectivity. Mm. Um, although I did see one NZ got a little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of a a wrap on the uh, knuckles there. I think uh, from the Commerce uh, Commission around the sort of hundred percent coverage uh, uh, statements yeah. that, that that they'd been they've been using. Um, so yeah, I guess it's uh, it's hard to get everything right uh, um, all the time, and and you know uh, please everyone. But you know I think we understood the sort of the 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 message that they were trying to send in terms of satellite. Um, you know, connectivity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of yeah, you're going to be able to get it. You know, pretty much everywhere as long as you're in. You know, the the right spot. You're not in a cave, and you know, yeah. varying other things. You're not in the shadow of a, you know, a hill or a building or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's. Um, but look, that's why we have these these. You know. Go- regulatory bodies and 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 government entities to. Uh, um, uh, sometimes push back on the the enthusiasm uh, from from marketing teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, on the I guess looking at, you know looking at the global stage, there's been all, all sorts of things uh, going on this week. I was um, quite uh, quite excited to hear about uh, India's launch and to uh, see a little bit of uh, footage of that heading off yeah. on their uh, their their moon, the moon. Uh, landing mission and that they're you know they're they're doing something that that looks pretty exceptional mm. uh, if they can if they can pull it all off and we do know with with space these things aren't aren't always uh, perfectly successful but um, yeah, best of best of luck uh, to them, and yeah, we, I mean we are in just a world where things, as far as uh, space goes, seems to be you know really trucking along at a at a, an incredibly exciting pace. If you know, we look back a few years, and it was kind of you know when it came to space things, it was it was pretty boring. There wasn't it's really much going on, uh, and and now it's sort of going nuts. Uh, you know, in in every Every which direction, you know, including uh, here in New Zealand on on so many fronts. In fact, we should just uh, give out a little reminder that the uh, NZ Aerospace uh, Summit is coming up uh, again in uh, September. Let's just double check the dates: eleventh and twelfth of September. Uh, for those, so those that have any sort of connection or maybe. You know, thinking that's the next step for their career, uh, then the Aerospace Summit in Christchurch is uh, is the place to be uh, in September. So um, yeah, that's pretty cool that New Zealand's got an Aerospace Summit. It uh, is. Uh, it is so cool, and it's and it's you know it's growing growing quickly. It's a it's a really exciting event, and uh, we have literally dozens of companies now in New Zealand within the. Uh, that you know broader aerospace um, sector of of which are you know a lot of those are uh, you know doing doing things in space and um, yeah more and more investment uh, being attracted and I think uh, yeah just a lot of innovation seems to be happening uh, yeah. in in New Zealand and uh, we just need to kind of keep that keep that ramping up support them make sure that that the um, the government, you know, play, plays their part in terms of uh, facilitating these things, helping them forward rather than rather than slowing them down. Yeah. And uh, if all those things work together, I think you know it will have a, a really really big impact on uh, 
on the economy and, and on New Zealand over the years ahead. Yeah, to our point earlier with Serato, right, we've seen a, a flow-on effect from the success of Rocket Labs and Peter's been actively investing in some of the, the startups and seeing that experience come down. So, yeah, it's a perfect example right there of a whole industry that's kind of being spawned out of New Zealand and becoming a bit of a competitive advantage. So, yeah, exciting. Yep, oh, it really, really is. And you know, I think we'll, we'll probably end up with, it looks like we'll end up with quite a mix. So there'll be some, you know, some really small firms that are, that are you know, able to, to operate and, uh, you know, to, to um, generate profits from New Zealand without having to be, you know, huge well-funded entities that are doing more niche things. And, and then we get the other players that are, yeah, really moving ahead at quite a pace and hiring yeah. all sorts of people and, you know, the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of uh, investment sort of rolling rolling in their, uh, you know, direction. And, um, yeah, long long may that uh, long may that continue. I see Rocket Labs uh, uh, having a, a sneaky look at Rocket Labs' um, share price uh, the, the other day and um, uh, they're, they're – they seem to be on their way uh, up again for uh, for those that are uh, yeah. uh, holding holding a little bit of a little bit of stock. Um, I couldn't I couldn't help now, myself. It? Yep, oh, it's like no, nah, got to support uh, this sort of uh, key, Kiwi innovation. So um, um, yeah, somewhere over over six dollars. Let's yeah. uh, where do we where do we where do we find the numbers today? It's a great. Six six dollars eighty nine. So according yeah. to this today, they were up. Uh, nine, nearly ten percent. If you include the after hours trading, so, um, so yeah, not a there not a go. bad day for those that have uh, that have been in a position to, uh, um, you know, make a, a solid solid investment uh, there. I'm not quite in that category, but <laughs> uh, um, but uh, well, it's always you know. good for the kids on on shares east as well. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. It's it's great. Um, another one of our our local success stories there with Shearsies, yeah. uh, doing some good stuff. Um, yeah, so I think you know we'll 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 follow with interest. Um, you know the how uh, how India get on. I think we're we're waiting till um, late August for for things to kind of touch down uh, as far as the the moon's concerned. Uh, but uh, yeah, very very exciting. Um, last week I think we spoke a little bit about threads. Uh, which is is Meta and Instagram's uh, Twitter uh, compete platform, yeah, Twitter <laughs> killer, um, and uh, yeah, look, looks like they've um, you know they've they've started with a with quite a boom, mm. um, but the some of the the reports that we're seeing suggest that the the time people are spending uh, on Threads is already already dropping off, and I guess that's what we've we've seen with the other. Competing platforms as as there can be a bit of excitement and um, certainly not at the sort of scale of what we've seen with with threads with with the other ones um, because they were able to translate across and, and bring across uh, so many from Instagram. But yeah, I think I don't think it's uh, it's all all over for for threads uh, yet. That's you know, and neither is it for for Twitter. I think you know, there's still seem to be a lot of a lot of people sort of uh, you know saying that Twitter's dead, and it's like, well, um, I'm not sure it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, you you what you see on these different platforms very much a reflection of you know 
who you're following and uh, um, you know whether whether you can find kind of your community, your your people on there, whether you're just you know looking for for news and so on. Um, but it still seems to be. Uh, at the moment, both of them are actually pretty pretty lively in, in my my experience. Uh, so you know, the, 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 there is room for platforms that aren't aren't the biggest as well, which is maybe a in some ways a surprise to us because we were you know we're sort of sort of social media. It's like well, there's a big dominant player that kind of owns most of the most of the space in a particular area, uh, and that's really the only one that that can work. But actually, maybe you know maybe we can have a few. A few players. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's like other areas of society, isn't it? You find your niche and you kind of you go in there. But, um, yeah, I mean, Threads has had, had the big head start with the, the Instagram link. So that's always the thing, trying to launch something, is getting that critical mass on for the first time. So they've been able to successfully do that with 100 million-odd people signing up. So... I guess the key will be to see if it can keep the momentum going. But no, like I say, I, I don't think Twitter's dead by any stretch. And, you know, with Elon in behind it, I, I would always uh, expect him to come out with something interesting to change the game. So, And, and obviously the, the rivalry between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon <laughs> Musk seems to be heating up. So, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, might, I'm, looking, for, for I'm some, looking forward to yeah. seeing that uh, Zucker punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suck a bunch. I hadn't heard that. That's, that's good. Have they got a match set? You know, um, I haven't haven't, haven't seen any dates yet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I don't know. They take each other out, and uh, yeah, suddenly we're we're down to uh, two founders. Yeah, uh, anything's possible. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but either way, it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens on both fronts on the Zuck punch, but the the rivalry. To, between platforms because, like you say, quite a few have tried. Yeah, there seems to have been a bit of a bit of a creep back to Twitter in most of the occasions. So, yeah, be watching with interest. Yeah, and we've got um, the you know we heard heard news uh, over the last few days as well around uh, XAI. Uh, so you know, here's here's Musk at it again. I mean, you know, how many how many, how many things can he have have going? Uh, listened in and, and caught a little bit of their um, uh, Twitter Twitter live um, sp- spaces Twitter spaces uh, uh, chat. I think it must have been over the over the over the weekend. And yeah, it looks. I mean, it looks like this is another you know quite a serious thing from from Musk. Uh, you know, the people on the on the team. Seem to be heavy hitters. So he's, you know, yeah. he's 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 not, uh, um, you know, mucking around by the looks of it. So we'll see where that fits in. But he, he's talking about this new AI uh, entity, uh, you know, crossing over and doing collaborations with Twitter and with Tesla. Uh, so yeah, some, some very interesting times ahead. It's still, uh, yeah, just. Kind of blows my mind in a way is just how how uh, how much that Musk uh, and his companies seem to be doing. There's always sort of something going on, and I don't know whether that's just the power of how he uses Twitter, and if everyone else is doing, you know, just as much, we're just not hearing about it. Uh, but it, it 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 does seem as though he uh, he has a, a hugely 
um, you know, oversized uh, influence on the world of technology, that's for sure. Yeah. See, he definitely seems to be able to juggle a lot of things. And to be CEO at the same time on multiple companies, incredible. But, yeah, I mean, a really interesting situation with XAI, I think, whether or not that was his plan all along with Twitter, yep. hard to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely with AI, it's all about the training of the the AI and you need data for that. Data's becoming the big commodity. So Twitter certainly gives him a big pull to work from. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, but he, he's quite good at collaborating between his companies. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft, they seem to be yeah, reasonably uh, regularly in in the news. Sometimes on you know good fronts, sometimes uh, not so much. Uh, I guess on the sort of the the, the um, friendlier side, uh, they're kicking to the curb Calibri, uh, their default font the for Calibri. the last uh, sixteen years. So uh, it's still going to be there. Uh, but uh, Aptos is the new uh, is the new font or the new uh, the new typeface for uh, I don't know for how many years ahead, but for the for the next window of time. So it's uh, I don't know I like I you know as a as a youngster um, type was one of the areas that kind of caught my caught my attention. Uh, so I, you know, I was reading, reading, reading books. We didn't have uh, have the internet uh, back then. I was yeah. reading all these books about days. type and typography and the you know, history of it and 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 so on. And that was actually came from my interest in technology because uh, I guess one of the most sort of disruptive areas in the um, in the eighties into the nineties was sort of the digital publishing or desktop publishing. Uh, world and so that was this kind of you know crossover between the media world, uh, which I guess I'm still interested in, and the technology world, which I'm still interested in. Um, so uh, yeah, I do follow these sort of things. Maybe I'm a bit more of a nerd on them than um, uh, than most would be, but uh, it caught my attention. I'm a typeface nerd. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. So, uh, to be honest, I'm happy to see Calibri going mainly because the uh, the capital I and the lowercase L, you could never tell which is which. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was pleased to see there's finally a flick on the on the bottom of the lowercase L. But, yep. yeah, I've always been a bit of a, um, I don't know, did you ever see the, the Comic Sans criminal site? That was, yep, was yep. hilarious. Don't yeah, use Comic yeah, Sans. Yeah. But, yeah, the Times New Roman, you know, we're seeing the progression. So yeah, I quite like yeah, the... Yeah. The new Atlas font. So, yeah. Um, so, yep. That'll be. I've, I had a had a uh, yeah had a look, and yeah, looks it looks looks like a good uh, a good step forward. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. The driver obviously is such high resolution screens. They need sharper font to to be able to use it on. So, yeah. Well, we. I mean, it's it's you know looking back to those sort of early days of of. Technology and and the GUI, the graphical user interface, and you know, I used to stare at what was a what was it six forty by four eighty. I'm thinking of the Mac, the Mac, uh, the Mac screen. It was it at nine uh, nine inches. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna check now because um, I'm uh, my my memory uh, my memory could be failing me. It is yeah, Mac 
the mm-hmm. Mac Plus had a nine-inch screen, uh, and I mean this was the cutting-edge sort of publishing, you know, machine originally, right? The, yeah. the these early Macs. So they had a nine-inch screen, which is you know not dramatically bigger than our than our smartphones uh, today. Oh. And certainly a lot smaller than than um, you know most tablets and, and certainly uh, laptops. Uh, Five twelve by three hundred and forty two uh, pixels, and it was uh, yeah monochrome and uh, resolution of seventy two pixels per inch. And uh, if you dropped, I can't remember what it was, maybe five or ten thousand dollars at the time, you could you could get a printer that would um, give you you know three hundred. Dots per inch, and that was just the dot matrix that was cutting it. Oh, that was the la- the laser. The oh, dot no. matrix was a yeah. That was a that was a shocker. <laughs> um, but uh, we're showing our age now. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, things have have just kept stepping up, mm. and you know now we're, what we're seeing on our screens goes beyond what you would get. You know, in terms of the sort of top results out on paper yeah. from a computer, and you're seeing that on your screens with you know billions of colors and and all the rest of it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Time to to step up the the type and uh, um, you know make make that appropriate. Now um, on the flip side for uh, for for Microsoft, something um, that's that's not not so not so nice um, is they've been talking about how uh, basically hackers were were able to get in to exchange online. Um, and Azure AD accounts, uh, and, they ju- and they just did a rebrand this last week, so Azure AD is no longer Azure AD. Um, but they they say Chinese hackers um, basically were able to uh, steal an inactive uh, Microsoft consumer signing key and somehow used that to breach into these uh, government email systems, which is a a pretty shocking scenario, and if they got into government ones, uh, you know, presumably they could have got into really any any accounts that they uh, they wanted. Uh, when you get that, if you're able to get that sort of level of access, it's pretty un- unprecedented. Uh, yeah. And for a, you know, for a chunk of time, um, the door's been closed. Now they've yeah, you know, obviously a, a alerted uh, entities uh, involved, but yeah, it highlights that. Uh, we kind of we're we're all at risk from data privacy and uh, and and cyber security things if the you know the the top companies in the world uh, continue to be hit in one way or another. I don't know what uh, what you do with that information other than you know it's a reminder that we all need to keep sort of stepping up from a from a, a cyber security and a data privacy perspective. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because I mean that's obviously. Um, you know the the online email system that that Microsoft has, and that's the common denominator that we're seeing is email is the weak point in just about every company's cybersecurity. I think the stats are nine out of ten cybersecurity breaches start in email inbox now. So what you take from that is the constant reminders you shouldn't be sending sensitive information on email because it's definitely a weak point. Most of these breaches starting an email and if you've got sensitive docs in there then uh, you've you potentially had a data breach if someone gets mm, into mm, your email mm. so like I think just recently they found a, a document data set that enables identity theft it's worth about 
thousand dollars US now on on the dark web. So there's real money in getting sensitive documents. And so yeah, if you're a mortgage broker or someone dealing with sensitive documents day in day out, and your inbox is full of information, then man, it's, it's not a not a smart place to be. No, very well, dangerous. Yeah, I mean you think. If, if you applied for something five years ago, all your sensitive information is probably still sitting at the bottom of your mortgage broker's inbox <laughs> right now today. Not so. a not a not a not a good thought, is it? Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a scary thought. So it's good to see moving away from things there, especially globally. But yeah. How I do we, think New Zealand's got a bit of a ways to go. To yeah, how do you see New Zealand's doing? Because yeah, you know, I get to sort of see it through. You know, with, with my uh, company, Gorilla Technology, we you know we're often doing uh, audits on on the the technology and the cybersecurity within you know typically sort of smaller to medium firms, and I don't know. Every time I look at the results of one of these uh, projects, it, it, it kind of you know, there's always a bunch in there that, you know, just just reminds me that uh, that that we've still got a lot of work to do uh, as a country on on this front. What are, what are you seeing with, uh, you know, those that you were interacting with? Yeah, look, I totally agree. I think, you know, a huge percentage of our customers are offshore, and so we about four percent of our clients are, are still here in New Zealand. So we get to see the broad range and. New Zealand is falling behind when it's coming to privacy and security, which is kind of sad because we we led the way back in you know 1996. Our Privacy Act was kind of forging ahead, mm. uh, but definitely our privacy standards are you know far weaker than say the likes of GDPR out of Europe or you know the CCPA and things. And even in Australia, there's there's a huge wave. I mean, they're getting targeted a lot. There's a lot of data breach news coming out of Australia, so um, there's a huge focus on security and best practice out of Australia. Uh, we haven't seen that as much here. Part of that's maybe because of the size of our population. We're not as big a target because someone's looking for a big data set, you know. Well, and it's interesting that... It, if we look at New Zealand, and we've talked about it on the show before, you know, there's not there's not much in terms of teeth to the legislation no. uh, here when compared to to other markets. And your your comment there kind of just triggered a triggered a thought that often the companies that are getting breached are Australian owned, hmm. uh, right? And so in Australia, they might they might be getting, you know, they might get a huge fine or, or be told to set aside. You know, a lot of money uh, to to deal with some of these incidents, and then here we're just saying to the Australian companies, "No, no, she'll be right, mate." Yep, um, <laughs> you know, it's not. Uh, we're not necessarily doing a, a lot about it, and I'm I'm sure from that perspective, a few Kiwis would say we probably should be, you know, we should be leveling up. Yeah, you know, particularly on those yeah. firms that have that have got the the backing and the scale uh, to be able to afford to do these things right but have, um, you know, deliberately or not, um, have not put in place this, this sort of level of, of protections that they should have. Yeah, well, even just taking accountability when it happens. I mean, the, the most recent was probably the, the latitude uh, 
breach, right? With but coming out of Australia, we're getting all the notifications here as consumers because yep. it's covered by the Australian notifiable data mm. breach laws. Mm. If it was the other way around, would we have, you know, got that? I think the fines are something like ten thousand dollars maximum fine or something. It's it's a slap on the wrist with a wet bus ticket versus Meta just got fined, was it six weeks ago, two billion dollars under GDPR for taking consumer records out of the EU and saving them in US servers. Like it's a, it's a pretty big difference in terms of yeah how data privacy is treated. So, you know, I'd like to think that as a country we can go on that journey to try and improve. Part of it's probably, there are factors, like I say, this population size means maybe we are less of a target and, you know, maybe our she'll be right kind of culture plays into that a bit as well. But increasingly we're going to have to level up to play on the world stage because, you know, even the European legislation if you've got european citizens living in new zealand and you're storing mm. their data you're still actually caught by the european that's legislation it. yeah so, yeah so you, you can send money all around the world but you just don't have to you know pay in new zealand yeah to, yeah know. exactly so definitely opportunity for us we're pretty innovative yeah it'd be great to see us tightening things up on data security yeah it's it's a journey that uh I mean, I think if if you kind of look a bit more broadly, the areas of where legislation and, and, and technology cross over, there needs to be a change to kind of a, a bit more like the, the agile methodologies that we kind of operate within the tech sector, right? It's about continuous improvement mm. and, you know, having things continue to, um, you know, get iterated on. Um, rather than than you know, I don't know. Uh, they, uh, I don't know if you can relate waterfall technology to legislation. I might be going a little bit outside of my field of expertise here, but uh, um, but yeah, sort of the the approach where um, this legislation and 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 you know whole range of areas is updated very very infrequently. And it seems like for most of the the period of the legislation, it's actually you know not not a good fit. Oh, absolutely! And this is all coming to a head because AI is developing so rapidly, and AI needs data to be trained. Mm. And so there's huge questions coming up around the data and who owns the data and what's happening to the data, and you know we touched on it with Elon's going to use Twitter's data for training XAI. He owns that. that well, you know, there in, in lies who owns data. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, the laws, it's just becoming so great. I think the FTC, was it a week or two ago, just filed against ChatGPT around, you know, breaches where some searches are coming up in other people's answers, you know, that you've got, data safety and things, the whole thing's coming to a head around the rapid moving forwards of AI and then the legislation around data privacy because the two go hand in hand. So Yeah, well, we, I mean, we could, we could see AI, you know, slip way back, right, because actually, you know, that they've overstepped the mark in, in terms of 
what they're drawing on. And when you look at kind of the niches with, let's say, use ChatGPT and and you ask it to research something or to write something, and your topic is quite niche where it doesn't have a lot to draw on, that's where it tends to hallucinate or not do a very, you know, very good job. So if suddenly all the data that they've been getting access to is sort of firewalled off or they're not able to to tap into it, yeah. um, then yeah, suddenly AI potentially becomes um, you know, quite quite limited. But there, there's always ways ways around these things. Um, but yeah, I think we have a very uh, fascinating period ahead. A um, couple of other things I want to mention before we sort of jump into um, yeah, hearing more about File Invite. Um, just quickly, uh, in India, uh, we have a company who are saying uh, that they've let go 90% of their tech support team uh, to outsource the job uh, to AI and that they've been able to uh, drop their sort of response uh, rate uh, for support uh, queries from a minute and 44 seconds to zero. Um, sounds a little bit overstated uh, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm uh, a, a little bit sceptical. But there are there are you know some areas where actually you feed in the the right data, uh, and depending on what the queries are, where you know actually you know AI can you know probably do a a, a faster uh, a faster job that that looks further than a human, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. It's even the fact that they're using the terminology AI outsourcing, <laughs> given yeah, yeah. given that. Typically, India was a large source of outsourced labor, so it's almost That's like right. you've kind yeah. of got these tiers. Because surely there's trade-offs, right? I mean, how you'd want to think that the accuracy of a human on that at the stage of that data set would be maybe a little higher, so you can have to trade off. But mm, mm. you know, really interesting times. I think, yeah, if if it's going to work on your data set that that well. And it is that um, the numbers are accurate, then, or you know, not overstated. It's what does that mean for things? Hopefully, that means we can use that human capital for more sophisticated type things and advance things that way. Yeah, look, and I and I think that's the that's the approach, isn't it? To look for yeah how you can uh, utilize people on 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 other things, uh, but it, it will cause you know pain and, and disruption mm. as as these things um, you know. Do, um, and then the last one was um, reading around uh, Russians getting hit with a warning. The hour of reckoning has come, and uh, what was quoted by uh, Metro.co.uk as a petrifying TV message um, after the uh, Russia um, varying uh, TV stations across uh, Russia were. Um, were hacked, and yeah. so uh, this content was uh, was was pushed out. And uh, yeah, I think you know it's just a kind of you know kind of fascinating. Um, but hey, it's it's this is the sort of stuff that's going on where people aren't uh, uh, and organisations aren't protecting themselves. Uh, well, uh, I don't I don't know if we, we'll get a sort of a full story on on what happened, whether it was a particular technology. Uh, platform that they were using that was kind of compromised behind the scenes uh, seems quite likely rather than a whole lot of individual 
uh, you know, uh, media outlets getting getting you know, individually compromised. But uh, yeah, well, it seemed yeah. to be fairly coordinated across multiple ones, which yeah, would yeah. look like that. But I think you're right; it's probably a little embarrassing. So well, we probably won't hear too much. But no, it's the no. the new scale of warfare, right? Cyber cyber attacks is yeah. part of conventional warfare. So yeah, yeah. So I'm keen to hear more, and I'm sure listeners are around sort of the file invite uh, story. Because how long is it since you've you started? Uh, now it's been you know it's been a good good few years, but last year yeah. you raised uh, was it 10, 10 million? Ten million Kiwi. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, yep. so so you know, so. there's obviously some uh, some real enthusiasm for uh, you know for what what you're doing. Um, you know, it sounds like the very very large majority of your uh, your customer base is, you know, certainly outside of outside of New Zealand. Uh, so yeah. How have you done it? Yeah, how have we done <laughs> it? Wow. Uh, how much time have we got, uh, Paul? But no, it um, depends when you start the clock, I guess, because it, it's spun out of one of my previous businesses. Zyba is one of the leading web agencies here in New Zealand. We had the problem at that stage we were a high-volume um, business building websites mm, and so mm. we'd be building 200 websites at a time and having to get all of the content assets to build websites you know the homepage images and mm, the, mm. the text and everything else when you've got 200 in production was actually a major problem we we're running spreadsheets trying to chase people and so we built a tool that would allow customers to well we could track what we needed from them and, and that type of thing and automatically ping them and remind them. And it just slashed kind of turnaround times and and we thought, man, other people could could use this. So uh, we rebuilt it, took it to market, and it was the, the neglected little brother of the, the web agency for a few years. And so that's why I say when you start the clock. We, we took first capital 2016 mm-hmm. and started sort of scaling it from there. And... When we first went to market, we thought it would be a tool that other media agencies would use as well for yeah. the same purpose. But yep. straight away, we saw this real spike around financial services and, and that type of thing. So, um, you know, not wanting to boil the ocean, we, we focused in there, particularly within that mortgage use case. So, mm-hmm. you know, a mortgage broker has to request a lot of documents to assess a loan or to get the bank to assess a loan. Even today, that's still predominantly happening over email. And I used that example before. And so we completely changed that. We've we've changed the whole industry in Australia. We've got one in three brokered home loans going through us over there now. Fantastic. Um, And it's, you know, proud to say that it's kind of the industry standard now that you wouldn't send an email if you're sending an email as a broker going, hey, can you send me your driver's license and passport in the same breath as your bank's going, never send credit card details over email. Like it's kind of like, um, yeah, proud to say that that's kind of frowned upon now and everybody knows that you should be using some sort of secure request and collecting technology like us. Um, And so did well there and then – move focus or not move focus but added the US to to our focus and yeah spun up a team in an office over there and been 
really going hammer and tong and hence the raise last year was to keep putting fuel on the fire of 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 that so yeah i mean it's startups never a straight line so no. you know <laughs> um but that's kind of the 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 abridged version yeah Yep, and um, and how how you find in the US market because it, it's such a it's such a big market, you know, comparing it to to New Zealand is you know they're kind of a million miles apart to Australia. Yeah. I guess maybe there's there's a there's a there's a few more similarities, but but I mean it's still what you know roughly sort of ten x the, mm. the 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 population and yeah. the the economy you know more so. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's. I mean, big market, big opportunity, a lot of complexity. I think is mm, probably the simplest mm. way to to put it. This this a bigger market also means more solutions and and more complexity. But um, I think we're a right time, right place business. As I mm, say, we mm. started it was around efficiency of collecting things, and the three key pillars for our product has always been, you know, productivity because. All the data comes in, and we clean it up, and it gets dropped right straight into your system. So, huge, you know, productivity and time savings. I think one of our clients in Australia uh, was saved sixty thousand hours in the first year of of dropping it in. So we're talking millions of dollars in terms. That's of, you impressive. Know. Um, wow. So that was always a big key. That's a great win. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I love you know time saving for our clients, but the. You know, customer experience is the second pillar, so it's exponentially easier for customers to get stuff through. You know that pain of someone sends you an email, hey, Paul, can you fill out these PDFs and sign the stuff and send copies of stuff through? It's just a link and it's just there in a portal. You do it and it happens. So that that's that customer experience, exponentially happier. People get things back two to three times faster than if you'd sent them an email because it's just easier. Um, and it's more secure, but that is the third pillar, the security. And um, you know, having things not go through email is just a massive, massive. You know, like I said, nine out of ten cybersecurity breaches start in email. So taking that off the table instantly improves your security posture as a business. Mm, mm. And but that that kind of third pillar for us used to be when we started one of the the last on the list, and that's completely flipped uh, where people are coming in now wanting more security and that type of thing. So yeah, answering your question around the US, I think people are a, a lot more aware, coming back to our earlier conversation, mm, mm. they're a lot more aware of the security around you know, their data and how important that is, and they're looking for solutions. And so from that perspective, the US is, has been um, – you know, really good because it's a, a right, right market. But that's mm, it's mm. happening globally. So, privacy and security for us have, have been big tailwinds, yep. you know, for, for growth. And I think we're just seeing the start of that whole kind of privacy revolution. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's exciting. And um, yeah, so I guess starting out with just you know with different goals, has that meant you've had to do a, a fair bit of um, you know pivoting sort of behind the scenes as well in terms of things like ISO certifications and, you know, varying other kind of, you know, regu regulatory sort of hoops you've had to jump through to really kind of, you know, toughen up from that security perspective because you really would have to double down to get the confidence, I, I imagine, of 
uh, you know, of of a, a portion of your your clients. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a big big focus and big part of what we do. We spend a lot of money on security penetration testing and that sort of thing. But yeah, the standards we're SOC two, type two, and HIPAA and all of the the types of acronyms that are out there. Um, but um, you know, I think that's that's a it creates a safe harbour for you know your, your clients. They can say, all right, well, you guys have reached these certifications. I think transparently, as a startup in the early days, it was quite onerous. We we embarked on that pretty early to get um, that's our first SOC two certification mm. at a time when we were you know pretty small, ten staff or something, wow. and, and oh. you're having to have security controls for this and swipe cards and everything else. Um, it was quite tough in, in the early days, but it actually brought about a, a, a really good rigor in the business of doing things properly and classifying you know, data and storing in the right places, all that type of stuff. And then as we grew, we grew into the, the certifications and mm. and that's been, um, you know, it's really good now because we're sort of a few years down the track and it's all just part of BAU business now but um, and that's how you want it to be with security don't you and you know I've seen different startups where they will take security seriously at different points and sometimes you're looking at a business and you know you get a, a bit of a, a bit of a view in and and uh, um, you know you, you you know you talk to some 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 of the internal folks around some of the practices and it's like oh yeah you you're very much in the 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 uh the startup phase on the <laughs> on the security front uh and uh yeah but I, i'm always encouraged when you know when i see those who who uh you know take the security side seriously uh you know really early on because um, if you can build that into your dna then that kind of you know just continues to to flow with you as you scale, whereas if you you know if your foundations are are a bit you know rough around the edges from from that perspective, it can be a lot more work to try and uh, you know catch catch up later. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think to the earlier point around New Zealand, sometimes there'll be an app that I'll be asked for credentials in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, you know, how how are they treating this information? If it's a big global player, you think it's you hope that, that it's it's better off. But it, it was one of those fortuitous things where seeing that first kind of spike in financial services meant we had to go into a compliance and security framework really early on if we'd mm, been that mm. kind of media side and it was we were just collecting things that were supposed to be published on the web eventually on a website anyway. We wouldn't have been ready for this this wave of, Cybersecurity and and privacy, so you know, a lot of pain in the in the early days, but yeah, definitely paying off. But I think I say pain, but there's a lot you can do as a as a business that is not that painful. Just kind of be aware of things, and you know, like I say, don't don't send customer data through email. Find a, another solution, or little things like that can hugely improve you your posture and that type of thing. Yeah, and and often the, it is doing those sort of smaller things that helps. Now, one of the other um, things I've, I've when we were chatting earlier was you were saying that um, yeah, quite a lot of your 
your clients, their data won't necessarily sit with you. They'll use you as as the way to you know collect the information, but then you can you know hand it off into whatever their sort of you know preferred data repository is. So uh, you don't necessarily have to be a a, a point where. Uh, where people have to worry about leaving, you know, data with you either, right? Oh, absolutely, and a, a large majority actually do that. And mm. so, you know, we work. We've got native integrations with things like, you know, OneDrive and Dropbox, Drive, all those types of things, where you can use us for the seamless collection of all the data, and we can do the conversion and clean up of all the data and renaming, and then drop it all off into your system and. Have it all just kind of go there, and um, so, but but there's options. People mm, can, mm, you know, have it in both. Have it just on our side. I think we're talking things like Salesforce. It's really expensive to store documents and data in there. So that's where people would integrate. They'd have the link back to us versus yeah, there. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's flexibility and options, but um, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, will happily just kind of have it go through and then vaporized. So. Uh, but we're getting more and more into being able to transform the data for them on the way mm, through. Mm. So we released an integration not too long ago with a, a fraud detection tool called Fortero, which can check the documents as they're coming through for for tampering, those types of things. We've got some OCR things that can um, redact things like tax file numbers, um, particularly for our Australian customers. TFN numbers over there have to be redacted to supply or to um, hand off documents. So, you know, more and more we're seeing as us being a conduit for collecting the data and dropping it off, we can also expose it to to transforming the data for people so they're getting it exactly how they need it seamlessly from their clients securely and it's going into the right place, all named correctly, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, lots of benefits all around. Yeah. Oh, it's re- it's really exciting. Well, what's what's next? Yeah. Well, there's a few things under wraps. Like we're working on uh, a whole whole new release, which will be looking to to come out later in the year, uh, with some exciting stuff. But I think you know the way everything's going, as as I've been saying, it's it's around data and building. And we'd love to partner with some more customers. Or, tools that customers benefit from to mm, be able to transform mm. data. We've got some some pretty cool stuff that's happening there. So, I mean, more of the same. It's it's really growing and getting more and more value for our customers in, in the space. We solve this problem really well for them. So that's the SaaS model, solve it better and better and yep. um, keep ramping up in the US. And, um, yeah, I mean, our goal, we, we want to be the, the global standard for requesting information. That's our our vision. So when when you need to get something off someone, you wouldn't send them an email, you'd send a file invite. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the vision. That's good. That's that's, good. That's we're charging good. off to the moon, yeah. just like India. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Well, all the best with that. Yeah, um, and thank th- you. Yeah, thanks for coming coming on the show, James. Thanks for having me. It's been, been fun. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Thanks for joining us. And, of course, thank you to our show partners, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, 2 Degrees, and 1NZ. We'll be back again next week. And if you've been watching the uh, live stream uh, today, be sure to to go and follow or subscribe to the podcast on your your favorite podcast app. And, of course, if you're uh, listening to the audio, which tends to be the the large majority, 
uh, and you're not uh, following us uh, from the video perspective, you might you might uh, enjoy sometimes catching uh, catching the video content or, or the live streams. And you'll find uh, NZ Tech Podcast there on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, and our, I guess, probably our most popular channel for the video is uh, is LinkedIn. And you can get to that just by uh, following myself, uh, Paul Spain. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.